Hello and welcome to episode 128 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark, and continuing in my series of the Voice Behind the Artist specials, today I'm joined by one of the best artists in the industry. I'm joined by the incredible Matt Ryan Tobin. Now, honestly, there's some great artists out there. There's some incredible artists out there. And then there's artists like Matt. I first fell in love with him when I saw his work on Instagram. He has the best eye for detail I've seen out there in the industry. I honestly can't big this guy up enough. His work for stuff like Child's Play 2, which I remember falling in love with, Smashing Pumpkins artwork, Scott Pilgrim, so many great horror, and just incredible pieces that as soon as I see a piece of his work, I now know it's Matt's. And that for me is the ultimate compliment. So I can't wait to bring you this interview because he's absolutely incredible. He's such a cool dude, and from start to finish, I'm just in awe of him, and it's such a pleasure to have him on the show. So that'll be coming up in only a couple of minutes' time. But in true typical Mark and Me fashion, and hopefully by 130 episodes, you know the score by now, I want to touch base and talk about my last episode. So I was joined by Igor Abramenko, and we got to talk all about the incredible film Sputnik. The response again was amazing, and the ultimate compliment you can ever get on this episode is when people then go and check out the film you've been talking about. So many people have gone and checked it out. I've seen so many tweets and Facebook comments from people saying how much they love this film, how much they love the horror, the sci-fi element, and they just overall love this movie. So thanks for everyone who tuned in and have now gone and checked out that film. But as I said just a moment ago, today I'm joined by the absolutely phenomenal artist, Matt Ryan Tobin. This, for me, is one of my favourite interviews, and when I first started to do a list of all the artists that I wanted to do in this collection, Matt was top of the list. So I think it's best now to get right to the interview. So here's me and Matt Ryan Tobin talking all things art. Matt, a massive thank you for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Mark. What I want to do at the moment is take it right back to the early days when you were growing up. And can you remember those first movie posters or those artists? I suppose at that age, you're not really looking out for artists, but those pictures that made you fall in love with art. Yeah, I mean, some of the earliest stuff, it's strange because I, um, I'm, I'm a child of the late, late 80s. So uh, by the time I think I was old enough to recognize movie posters in general, the, you know, the, the, the illustrated movie poster was kind of on its way out. You know, we were entering the 90s, so yeah. it was the beginning of the large heads over the horizon. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was the beginning of that. Yeah. Um, but, like, I, I do remember, and yeah, and you're right, I don't really remember the artists from the time, but um, there were definitely posters like, um, I love the original one sheet, um for last action hero that was such such yeah. a great such a great poster that was that was one that i really loved um i'm trying to think back now but for me i think it was more like just vhs box art in general i was just attracted to um yeah. you know in the movie stores and stuff a lot of horror stuff really intrigued me at a young age don't know why can't explain it <laughs> but you know i think that's the way for a lot of fans of horror um but one cool thing is though i do remember being very when i was pretty young maybe around five or six we had a local um 
mom and pop sort of rental video store in, in my hometown. Yeah. And we, we went there a lot. Me and my dad, we rented lots and lots of movies. Um, and they got so familiar with us there they they would, I would always want the movies that were hanging up in their, in their windows in like the sort of marquee. Yeah. And, um, you know, I would be like, you know, I want that poster. And at one point, I think it was a screen poster, um, high fidelity poster. There's a couple, a whole bunch of them. But anyways, normally they just throw the, throw them out. They saw me as like this little eager kid who just wanted these, this piece poster. So they're like, Hey, you know what? Every time you come in, just we'll keep a box for you behind the counter with the rolled up and they would roll up the posters, right? And some of them would be sun soaked and, and bleached out, you know, from being in the window, but I didn't care. And they'd be like, you can just have your pick of the crop or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, I, I used to have a lot of movie posters in my room, but yeah, unfortunately it was a lot of 90s stuff. So it was very, you know, just, um, just photography really. So yeah. were you sitting there at that age trying to draw them yourself? Did you have that love there? Were you going to school really loving art or was it later on in life? Oh no, art for me, I've been a creative person from as far back as I can remember. I was always drawing yeah. at a very young age. Um, but you know, it was a lot of comic book stuff for me, you know, when I was, when I was really young, um, I fell, I kind of fell both out of art and the comic world though. When I kind of hit my mid teens, I, I became a musician. Yeah. Well, I would have been a musician from a young age, but, um, became a professional musician, like just at the end of high school. And so my, my touring band career kind of took over. So both, um, comic books and, and just drawing in general kind of fell by the wayside. Um, but it was always there. Like my, my love for it was always there. And I was kind of doing, um, like Photoshop design, doing merch designs and stuff for my band at the time and other bands. Yeah. But, um, but you know, it's, but regardless, it's always been a part of me. It's always been something that I've loved. Um, was, was illustrating from the, yeah, from a really young age. I actually, I just recently helped my mom move and, um, she had this big sort of tote tube or not tube tub, sorry, of like, all these drawings that she had held on to that I didn't even, she didn't even know she had all this old stuff. And uh, I, I posted one recently on my Instagram of a, an illustration I did of the crow. Yeah. Like probably right when that movie came out in like 94. So I think I was six or seven years old or something like that. And, uh, and I found like lots of like Wolverine drawings and all this kind of stuff that I done when I was a kid. And I was like, man, if I had just, I feel like if I had stayed on it that whole time, I'd be a way better artist than I am now. But, um, but it's cool, cool to look back on that stuff. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been a part of my life pretty much forever. And we have family very supportive. I mean, when I was growing up, I was in a band and my parents were always like, you need to get a real job. So, you know, it's always that kind of culture and mindset. But did yours like, were they like, go for art, go try to be a guitarist, go be in a band? You know, were they all for you doing these creative things? I, well, my dad, 100%. Because yeah. my dad's a creative person. He, um, he owns his own flooring, flooring business. Um, now but he's always been hands-on just creative artistic played guitar um he used to draw pictures with me i would ask him to draw things for me and just watch him draw um but it was always very like so like you know not not like his what he was doing full-time or anything like that but i think for for my dad it, all the things that i loved were the things that he grew up loving and so he kind of lived a little bit vicariously through me but in a really positive way yeah um so he was very supportive in that way. My mom was a little tougher. Um, my, my parents split when I was about seven years old. So it, it was divisive already. But um, my mom, I think she was, 
more of a realist rather than a dreamer. My dad's a bit of a daydreamer and, you know, uh, that kind of personality. And that's kind of how I am too. But my mom was always very like, I think she was more concerned about me actually just, you know, surviving in general. And like, is this something that's going to take you here and here and here and whatever. And I essentially dropped out of high school to go on tour. So I didn't, I still don't have my high school diploma. Um, and she always hated that, <laughs> but she always, it always came from like a motherly, you know, parental place, you know what I mean? So I'm not throwing her under the bus or anything like that. You need, you need two sides of the coin, you know, with cool. parents, yeah. I think. So, but for the most part, but, but once, you know, once music took off really well and, and art took off really well, I think my mom started to see the value in it. And then now it's, now it's the whole other way around. Now she's 100%. And with you, with your music, was that kind of your drive and passion? You said you let your art kind of take a back burner while you were focusing purely on the music. Is it like, did you want to try and get back into the art or was it just your love for music was too strong? Um, my love for music was really strong. It still is still very strong. Um, I think it's just like a, it's, it's a time thing. Like when you're in a band, it, it, as I'm sure you know, it, it, it's, it is in order for it to function in order for it to, to succeed. It has to be your number one priority. Yeah. It takes up all of your time. Um, and I'm very like one directional thinking, like I can't multitask to save my life. So, um, I think like when I put my focus all into one thing, that's where it goes, you know? Um, and music, music took off relatively quickly. So it, it became, I, you know, I, it became my entire life very fast. Um, you know, I was like 17 and I was touring across Canada in a van. So it, it was, um, it was a lot, a lot. So, but, but the thing that the create that it's like, there are two different creative avenues, music, and then, you know, illustration. Um, but I think I always kind of had a little bit of a grip on, on that because I said I would, I had designed all of our merch yeah, and stuff like that. Cause we were way too cheap to, <laughs> to pay anybody else to do it. So, um, and then that kind of snowballed from touring with bands, you know, I would design their merch and then bands that they toured with to see their merch and so on and so forth. Um, but so it was always there, you know, um, which, which was nice, but, but I would say like maybe from ages, I don't know, 14 to 18, it was like not even there at all. Um, as far as drawing, I wasn't, I never drew at all for those like four or five years. And then for the next, like maybe five years, it was like just a lot of Photoshop, digital manipulation, merch design, and not a lot of illustration. It wasn't until one day I, I, you know, I wanted to expand my horizons. I was getting kind of tired of like the whole graphic design angle um, and, and how limiting it was for what I wanted to do. And so one day I was, I invested in a, in a, in a Wacom uh, tablet and took that on tour with me and just drawing it all the time. And then just kind of got back into it. You know what I mean? Very rusty at the time, but, so are you in a band anymore, or are you just focusing purely on the art? Um, well, the band that I was in for a long time was was called Dead and Divine, and we yeah. we broke up in 2012, yeah, 2013, 2012, somewhere around there. And uh, but I I wasn't done with music. That was a whole music industry politics inter like um, inter band problems demise. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I already had other music written, and I wrote. 90% of the music for that band anyways, that was like my band essentially. Um, so I started a new band called Ritual and that was more, but the whole idea of it was to be more of like a bookend, I think on, on, on my music career in terms of like, I've always, I've luckily been able to do what I wanted to do to a certain degree with music, but 
when you're in a band with five other people who are all very, very, very opinionated and very, very, um, uh, we were just, we're all like, you know, just combating all the time. It was a chance for me to like do everything I was doing before without, you know, four voices in the back behind me, like, you know, coercing me to go away. I didn't want to go. Yeah. So it, it was more like, I'm just, I got to do this for me. And then, you know, and then the record got picked up by, by some labels and we did some light touring. Um, but it was more like a passion project than anything. I, I could kind of feel like when that was done, it was like, okay, maybe I can like move on a little bit, but there's always plans to go back. Like the, that band itself is like, we're like kind of on hiatus right now just because I had two children and, yeah, you know, bought a house with my wife. And, and so like, you know, turning into full dad mode. So, and then on top of my, my, um, my art career, it's uh, again, no time. And like I said before, you know, if you're going to be in a band, you got to devote so much time. There's music written and there's like albums and albums worth of stuff. It's just about when's the right time. And now you're a dad, you kind of got to give that the hundred percent devotion and time. 100%. And, and willingly, like I'm not, I don't sit here going like, Oh, the, the good old days, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, I love touring for like two weeks and then I'd be sick of it. Like not sick of playing the, the hour you get every single night was amazing. But um, now, like, when I, when I go out, like, which is very random, especially during a pandemic, you know, not yeah. really anymore. But when I, if we first had children and like, let's say I would, you know, get that sort of like cabin fever feeling of like, oh, I just need to go out with a couple of my friends and, and have a beer or something like that, just something casual. And I go out and, and then I'd have my beer and be like, nah, it's good. I'm ready to go home now. You know, <laughs> like, I miss my kids. I miss my family, you know. So I don't think I could ever... I could never ever tour as extensively as we used to. Um, I, I, I'd get way too homesick way too fast. You know, I'd be miserable to be around. So then it came to the point of you obviously doing a lot more art, a lot more designs, having a lot more free time and not doing music so much. Is this when you really kind of fell back in love with doing all your like design work again? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and, 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 and it's a whole other release. You know what I mean? It's... um. Like there, 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 there's a hole in, in, in my heart that's, you know, that's there because of the music, but the hole that was there for that other creative side is, is definitely fulfilled in the, and, and not fulfilled in the sense that I'm done, but you know, it's, um, it's something that was missing in my life, like a, a completely pure, um, just of oneself form of expression. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which again, harkens back to me saying having those other guys in the band kind of, chewing at my ear all the time about creative decisions. So it's nice to have that um, completely singular uh, form of expression. And, um, and it's great. It's a great world. I've met lots of wonderful people and, and talented artists. And it's just, it's nice. It's like, it, it's like the music industry, but completely different. And there's way less assholes. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> One thing I've learned just from speaking to artists over the last few months is the community is so strong. Like if you think of being in the band, it's always about who's playing the final slot at a show. So it's always battling. They do a fucking battle of the band, which is all about rivalry. It's like sports. Yeah. Everyone's like, every artist I speak to is friends with their next guest I've got on and knows their work and have reached yeah. out and have given advice. And it's like, there's no rivalry or kind of arseholes trying to be the only one. Everyone's all about like sharing and caring. And it's, it's probably the best community out there right now online with these people that are just doing stuff they love and sharing each other's work absolutely and and that's 
I think that's why I fell in love with it so quickly. You know, um, when I first met, you know, um, say the first artists I really got close with were, were was uh, Gary Pullen, Jason Edmiston, Justin and Paige from Phantom City, and um, Sarah Deck, and my good friend James Ring Davis. And these were all people I looked up to. Do you know, yeah. like I considered them untouchable to a degree, right? When I first started out, and then, you know, through my my um, <laughs> persistence maybe is, is the right word, but also, you know, um, just their openness and willing to help like now, you know, help me starting out. Like now we're the, like the best of friends, the best of friends. And it's like, what, in what world does that happen? You know, in any other sort of thing where you, you idolize these certain artists and then rather quickly you become, you know, you're invited to their wedding. You know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty surreal. And, and I kind of pinch myself every day that, that I was, I'm able to, you know, do what I do, especially after having a rel relatively modestly successful music career. It's like constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop. <laughs> you know, it's like okay. I'm having I'm maybe too much good luck here. I don't know, but um, but yeah, no, it's it's a it's a wonderful community, and that whole like yeah, being you know in the music industry, everyone's just trying to you know step on the the next person to get on top of them type of thing. You know what I mean? That's um, I've never I have yet to see that type of behavior you know, from, from any artists that I know. And, and how did it happen where you kind of felt that transition of I'm doing a few sketches, I'm falling in love with art again to it becoming a shit that my social media numbers are getting high. People are buying my stuff off bottleneck gallery within minutes. It's mm -hmm. getting to the point now that I'm getting published in books. Like, can you remember that kind of moment when you were like, maybe I should really put everything into this? Um, you know, it was like, I'm trying to think, man, my, my, um, going back to my own history, everything blurs together. Um, I'm not sure if, if there was, I, well, there definitely was a specific moment. I don't know if I can pinpoint it exactly, but um, I can remember there was a point where I knew that I wanted to do the art full time and, and, and the band was like completely, you know, um, not even on my radar. And, and like, I knew like, this is what my goal is going to be. You know, I don't know. I don't know. This is not a very good answer. That's not a bad um, one. Maybe it just gradually happened without being even aware and you're just in a situation where you kind of, yeah. you might still not know. You were just in a situation where you're like, fuck, like I didn't expect that to sell and it sold out, you know? Yeah, you know what? And you're right. That's that's probably more more of it. Maybe it was like a more of a gradual thing, you know? I, I don't know. It's Yeah, I, I haven't paid as much attention to it in that regard other than knowing that when something like, like that happens like when you know a first poster sells out you're like holy holy shit you know what i mean yeah. it's 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 a big deal and then you're like okay and yeah but it may be yeah i think i think you hit the nail on the head in terms of like it's more of a gradual thing but it doesn't mean i'm not aware of it or i'm not appreciative of it you know so is it really hard to get your head around stuff like i saw when you did the um scott pilgrim smashing pumpkins sort of mashup and it, i think it sold out by the time i blinked you know it was just <laughs> fucking insane um what's it like being because i think it's insane and i'm from the outside what's it like being on the inside making that and then thinking i hope this does well and it literally just couldn't get it it was just it was over before <laughs> that one is kind of a strange one because it's so um it's so niche it yeah. was, it's such a specific tribute slash homage slash parody whatever you want to call it um yeah, it was bizarre. I did not know what to expect with, the, with that poster. All I knew is that actually how that poster came about, um, I was 
I think at MondoCon two, four, sorry, MondoCon four. Yeah. Um, it was my second time at MondoCon though. Um, and someone came up to the booth asking, I had, you know, periodically throughout the weekend, people will sometimes come around with like little books and ask, you know, artists if they could sketch something in there for them. And, um, someone had asked me if I could sketch something, Scott Pilgrim. And I was like, Oh yeah. And I hadn't actually seen Scott Pilgrim in a long time, but I remember loving that movie. And, and I was kind of thinking, I kind of pulled up my phone. I think I was just kind of scrolling through some like pictures to see if there's anything I could kind of pull reference from. And then I saw Ramona and I was just like, I suddenly it clicked. Like there was, a, there was like a certain expression on her face or something in a shot I came across that I was like, man, you know what? She actually looks a lot like the, the, um, the, the woman from the cover of Melancholy. And so I kind of sketched it out and I just did it for him. Like, you know, he walked away and I was like, give me your sketchbook, leave it here. I'll get it done for you. And um, I sketched it up and gave it to him. And I was like, yeah, it's, you know, I, I don't know if he knew <laughs> what the, what the reference was. Um, that it was a, a Smashing Pumpkins reference, but um, he was like, oh yeah, that's cool. And then that kind of always stuck with me in the back of my head. I'm like, I think that would make a really good poster or even just an art print, you know, an interpretation. And um, I think it was like, oh, well over a year ago, I, I was like, you know what, I'm just, let me just like conceptualize this out. Let me sketch this out, you know, digitally and pitch it to Mondo and they were really into it, but it wasn't the right time. And then we were speaking maybe just a couple months before that poster came out. And I was like, Hey, there, you know, I think we were talking about titles and stuff to work on. And, and I was like, what about that Scott Pilgrim sketch I sent you guys a while back? And they're like, yo, send that over again, sent it over. And they're like, let's do it. Lock it in. And I was like, awesome. And so, um, you know, just whipped it up and, and it came together really nice. But the thing was, is like, it's a movie for, it's a poster for Scott Pilgrim, but he's nowhere on the poster <laughs> as well, you know? Plus it's like a really, it's an iconic image to me and maybe to you or, you know, people from our, 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 our age group, but like to a lot of people, they don't, they might not even understand the reference, you know? So I had no idea how, how it was going to be received. And I think a lot of people were actually generally confused <laughs> when, when it first came out. They're like, wait, what's this thing? <laughs> And there's a couple of people that I think were actually like, Hey, this is a rip off of this. Like not understanding that it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's supposed to be. <laughs> um, but so when, yeah, when it sold out, I was like, what? Like I, you know, just because it's so specific, you know, and um, you try to gauge like, you know, the, the, the collectors and the crowds and, and but you, you really never can. It surprises you sometimes. So for me, it was just joy. It was pure joy. I was so happy that like an idea that like, on the surface, people would be like, I don't know if that's going to work, like, you know, and, and it does. One of the, um, my most proudest possessions is the Thing book by Printed in Blood. Mm -hmm. um, I have that, yeah, right here. I was amazed to see the amount of different artists getting their page, and it wasn't <laughs> like a small book. It's something, it's something like 400 pages or something. Yeah. What was this moment like for you, seeing all these incredible artists releasing this work under such an iconic film by such a legendary director? Well, that book, um, when I saw that was coming out, I think that the drawing that I did for that was, yeah, it was for the book. I don't think I had any other, anything else to do with it. But, I mean, I think my first thought was like, oh man, like, this is going to be hard to come up with something unique with, with this many artists submitting this many things. You know, yeah. like, there's only... There is only so much, it's an, you have an hour and a half of footage to interpret in, in, in some way that has already been interpreted a million times. 
you know, it's up there with, with the likes of, you know, Jaws or yeah. uh, um, Alien or RoboCop or something like that, where it's just like, it's getting harder and harder to, to come up with an interesting composition related to those movies. But um, I mean, for me, uh, when I came up with the idea, I just wanted to keep something small and simple. And I just wanted to be a part of something super cool, you know, um, and the book is awesome. Like I have it here on my shelf. It's beautiful. It's like, it's on my bookshelf and I just pick it up and I just literally go to any page and I'm like, yeah, it's no yeah. part of that. I think you're part of history. I think it's an absolute beautiful piece of work. Yeah, absolutely. And I know the printed in blood is working on a Halloween one. Yeah. Right, right now that, uh, I also have a piece going into it. And yeah, like you said, it's, it's, um, it's like a piece of history, you yeah. know, um, you know, at the, at the end of the world, like, you know, books and records are going to be like the most important thing. Do you know what I mean? And um, even in this digital age, I think books are so important and, and to keep track of, you know, our history and, and art and, and everything, you know, so um, to be featured in any book at any capacity, um, especially one that highlights the art of some incredible films is, um, yeah, it's, um, it's an honor, really. Being an artist, a father, a husband, a musician, do you still get any time just to sit and sketch and enjoy art? Or is it just about doing work for clients and moving on to the next project? Or can you just sit there on a Sunday, put your feet up and just do what you did that made you fall in love with it again? No. <laughs> no, no, no. Seriously, straight up, I don't, ha I don't have much time to no. just sit and kind of like... Um, you know, just draw for the sake of drawing with no sight in mind or, or no end game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which is very, it's very sad. And I was actually speaking to my wife last night and I was talking to a couple artist friends of mine who, you know, um, were saying that, Oh, you know, this will be the first year that I'm actually going to just not work for Christmas. Like from, from this point on. Right. Yeah. Like I'm going to take Christmas vacation. I'm going to, you know, even though I'm my own boss, I'm going to give myself my vacation. And I was like, I'm just, I'm envious because I'm always working. I'm always working all the time. And, um, you know, it's, uh, maybe one day it'll get to that thing, but I'm all, I also can be a bit of a workaholic myself. Like I'm aware of that, but, yeah. um, I definitely do get those times where I wish I could just have, you know, alone time. Like I have, I used back in, um, you know, years ago, I used to specifically at the end of each workday, I would go into my living room, my, my apartment and like make a cup of tea, sit down and I would read, go through like whatever, you know, um, crop of, of comics I was reading that week or, or books and just read, read all my trades and then like read a couple chapters, you know, just, and just have those and like put on a record and just sit there. You know what I mean? And those are, I miss that a lot, a lot because you need to decompress, you yeah. know, and that doesn't really happen. It's like, if I'm not working in here, there's something else to be done. We just bought this house back a year ago, to, a year ago in November. Yeah. And it's a total redo. Like, um, yeah, you know, so there's always housework to be done. I mean, my wife, honest to God, she's a saint, but she, she does most of the, that stuff. Cause I'm usually in here working. Um, she's way more handy than, than I am. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so she does a great, great work, but if I'm not in here working, I'll do my best to help her with, with what she needs. Um, you know, if you have time to lean, you have time to clean type of, I get you know, it. sort of mentality around here from time to time, you know? So it's, yeah, it's, it, it's a bit, um, 
it's a bit sad, <laughs> but, but it's not, the thing is I love what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm passionate about each job. You know, um, I try not to take, take on projects that I'm not passionate about because work can become work really fast. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And, um, trying to hold on to some sort of semblance of, of the love for it is, is extremely important. So I try to be a, still try to hold on to my, my sort of punk rock roots of like, you know, I'm no, I don't want to do that because I don't want to do it. You yeah. know what I mean? But also being a father that can be kind of contradictory because it's like, yeah, I don't want to do that, but I also have two kids I have to feed. So I got to do that. You know what I mean? So a question I've asked every artist that's been on the podcast is what advice do you give to other artists? So everyone's got Instagram, everyone's got Facebook, Twitter, they're trying to get their art out there. They're doing homages to their favorite films, but what advice do you give to those guys that are listening, that are a fan of your work, that want to become the next you or the next Matt Ferguson or the next Drew Struzman? What, what kind of advice do you give to these guys? You know, the same advice given to me and I'll tell you who gave it to me. It was, um, I'll give you two pieces actually. One was from Justin Erickson from Phantom City and we, we had met at a convention and you know I, w- I was asking him you know all the questions how do I get into galleries how do I do this what should I do blah 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 and you know he stood there and he told me just he goes best thing you can do is just keep making art yeah he goes you know just make art build your portfolio make art with no purpose make it just to express just make it just build build your your portfolio up, it, it, whether it's just for you or if it's something you want to present to people, constantly be making art, um, you know, and, and, and be thinking of way of, you know, like compositionally strong stuff as, as well, like experiment, you know what I mean? Um, he said it in way more eloquently than I can remember, but, but the sentiment still sticks. Um, so that's very important. Just make art for art's sake. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, that's, that's when the best stuff's going to come out, you know? Um, and then, uh, Gary Pullen also gave me some great advice when I was kind of concerned about like how some artists are their methods, you know, and, and how they approach art or what they do or whatever. And I was worried that like, Oh, you know, I don't have the training. I, I never went to school for art and I feel like imposter syndrome a little bit, you know what I mean? And, and he also said, he said, you know, it doesn't matter what car you drive to get to the party as long as you get to the party. Nice. And, and I was like, Man, you know, they're both like the two Yodas on my shoulder, you know, yeah, and then Jason, yeah. Jason Edmiston as well is like a, a guru for, 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 um, you know, that kind of stuff as well. But those two things are just early on in, in my, in my career stuck with me. And I think they're both very important. Like just do you and just, just keep doing it. You know what I mean? Don't, don't, don't second guess and, you know, do what makes you happy and uh, just keep doing it as much as you can. Someone will, someone will pay attention. Someone will notice, someone will catch it, you know? Is there a band and a song when I ask you the question that instantly goes into your heart and head and soul, what song would be the outro music for your episode that would be perfect? That is a song you fucking adore and love and would represent you. Oh Jesus. Like, Oh, and I'm asking, um, I'm asking. it's one of, it, it's literally one of two songs that are in my brain right now. Um, oh. I'm going to go with, Oh, no, let's go with a banger. Let's go heavy. Let's go heavy. I'm going to say, let's, let's go with X. The song is called XYU by the Smashy Pumpkins. Amazing. One of the heaviest songs ever written. Yeah, that's amazing. I fucking <laughs> love Smashing Pumpkins. I talk to Billy Corgan all the time and he keeps promising to come on the podcast, but he never... Oh, yeah? He's that's really awesome. Busy. He's really busy, but he always replies. If you ever reach out to him on Instagram, he'll always reply. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's been, I've, I've had very minimal interactions with him over yeah. the years. 
Um, my old band, Dead Divine, we actually did a cover of uh, The End is the Beginning is the End. Amazing tune. And I just sent it to him on a whim, and he loved it and got back to me and said some really, really nice cool, things. So. It? It's like, fair play, like Billy Corgan, the guy that wrote 1979. It's like, fuck. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate your time today, Matt. It's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Um, it's been Mark, so thanks for having time. me, man. No, I appreciate it, Mark. I had a lot of fun, man. We should do this again soon. Take care, man. So there it is. There's my interview with me and Matt. And I think I've said this nearly on most of my episodes, but when you're listening back and I'm doing the editing, I always wish I could have had along with the guest. And with Matt, it's no exception. Honestly, I wish I could have sat there and talked for hours. He's such a cool guy. We've got a lot in common. His illustrations are just mind-blowing. His taste of music and his band is incredible. And overall, I just love the dude. He's so rad. And I can't wait to get him back on for another episode, hopefully in the near future. If you, at this point, have listened to the interview and haven't gotten checked out his work, go on worksofmattryan.com. Order yourself some prints. They're some of the best artwork out there. And Matt has been so kind and donated probably one of my favourite pieces of artwork ever. And... You didn't hear it on the episode, but he actually said at the end, oh, you can have one of the Scott Pilgrim prints if you want. And I was like, are you serious? So yeah, if you check my social media channels over the next few days, there's going to be an opportunity to win the Smashing Pumpkins style Scott Pilgrim artwork. And honestly, whoever wins that, I'm going to rob your house because it's one of the best prints out there and I really want it. I want to give a massive thanks to Matt for taking the time out to come on the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on and you're welcome back whenever you want. A massive thanks to you guys out there for taking the time to listen. If you want to support the podcast, it's easy. You can go on to markandme.com. On there, there's links to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email, all the sorts of things you need. And if you really want to support me, share the episode. Jump on your Instagram, jump on your Twitter or your Facebook, retweet or share it across your network or show it to your friends. That brings a whole new audience to the podcast and that's something that money can't buy and it is really, really appreciated. Also, if you really, really love the podcast and you really want to support me, I do have a Patreon page. On there, there's exclusive badges, there's stickers coming up, there's some incredible prizes from Vice Press every single week and every penny that you invest via Patreon goes right back into the podcast. I make no money off this and it means I can go out there and do more and more interviews, which means more and more episodes for you guys out there at home. I'm back in only a few days' time with a brand new episode. I say this every time, but it's never been busier. Whilst everyone's in lockdown, it's an amazing opportunity for me to go out there and conduct more and more interviews. So stick around. I'll be back in a few days' time. And until then, take care.